good morning. How's everyone doing? Doing well? Finally getting our winter weather. Um, I, can't, I can't take credit for this. So Pastor Steve and Mamie are not here today. Uh, they're, not, they're not feeling the best, so out of abundance of caution, they're just staying home and getting some rest, which is a good thing, right? And uh, for Pastor Steve, this is week number two. Somebody brought it up to me that it's very ironic that the guy that is so bent on getting snow, praying for snow, needs to have snow, the two Sundays that it snows, he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, define irony, right? Oh, no, but, hey, I, it, was, it was gorgeous to wake up this morning. It was coming down before, before 8. It was coming down. I, I, I will admit, there is something beautiful about snow. I do like the snow. It's okay within the confines of the wintertime. I wish we would have had it during Christmas, but, hey, you know what? Beggars won't be choosers. We'll take what we get out of it, right? So I'm excited. Uh, they asked me to go ahead and speak this morning. I am excited to share something with you, and I want us, I want us out of today... I really feel like what God wants to convey and have communicated to you is to stir your heart, to challenge you a little bit in your own thinking, in your own attitude, and how you view yourself, and how you view God all surrounding the idea of expectation. So the sermon I want to title it today is Great Expectations. And so as soon as I say that, who instantly thinks of the book? Anybody? Okay, good, good, good. All right, like four of you, this, uh, my intro may only apply to four of you. That's great. No, no, no. no, But I remember reading Great Expectations whenever I was in, I don't know, seventh grade, seventh, eighth grade, somewhere around there, written by uh, Charles Dickens, good old Chuck D himself. It's regarded as a, as a literary, literary classic. In the book, the book really goes on this interesting little tale about a guy named, a kid, an orphan named Pip, right? It's about as British as it's going to get, right? But the story goes that Pip has these great expectations of what the goals in society and the goals of wealth and the goals of life are. And as he goes about his own life, he realizes that his great expectations for what he wanted in life were off. That really, at the end of it, relationships, compassion, and integrity were more valuable than everything that he had set up in his life as being these great achievement points, these expectations that he wanted to hit. And I think through my life, I think if we're honest, not just, I think all of us could say at one point or another, we've kind of experienced something similar with God, where we've had this expectation that we've set, and we think that God is going to deliver A, and then all of a sudden, whenever God doesn't deliver A, we have like this subset of, okay, well, maybe God will deliver B instead. And then B doesn't happen. It's like, well, maybe, maybe it'll be C instead. And then we find out that A, B, and C were really bad ideas. And we should have had a whole different expectation to begin with out of all of this. Anyone else ever, ever kind of go about life like that? Or you think, man, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And then it's like, what a letdown, right? It's just like the Pittsburgh Steelers for the last five years. Okay. <laughs> no, just kidding. But maybe, I don't know, we'll find out whenever they play on Monday. No, but I think, I think if I'm honest, looking at my own life, I think some of my expectations that I've put on to God were way off. There are things that I 
I thought, hey, this is exactly what I want, God. This is how I want it. This is exactly how I need it. This is my ideal situation. And I found that, and sometimes, God doesn't deliver on it. And then in hindsight, it's, oh, thank you, Jesus Christ, that you did not deliver that in my life in that way. Because it's been delivered so much better. And I'll give you, I'll give you a, quick, a quick example of it. Um, I mean, whenever I was, even back in high school, for whatever reason, who I married in my marriage was like a big thing to me, right? It was so super important. It was like I had to have it all figured out. Like, I needed to know, I needed to have it all laid out, and I had this grandiose expectation in my own heart of what marriage was going to be. And I found out, no, 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 some of you are laughing because you think, like, hold on, the gotcha moment's going to be a little bit different than you think. Um, here it comes that, God leads me to meet my wife, Amanda, and everything that I thought that I could have in marriage pales in the comparison with what he actually delivered. I mean, pales in comparison to what he actually delivered for me. It was something that I prayed about, that I spoke with God about, tried to do, and he delivered far beyond the expectation that I could have possibly set for myself or set for another person. You might say, oh, that's so sweet, and that's so wonderful. And it is. It's amazing. And, I, and I, th- I thank God every day for what I have in my life that he gave me that was greater than what I expected. But, you know, there's other expectations in my life that I'm going to be honest, I'm still waiting on. Things that I've put out there that I've wanted God to deliver on, that I've prayed for and I've asked for, and here I am that it hasn't been delivered. But I find that there's sometimes there's situations that the expectation that I put out there, as I grow, as I get older, as I grow with God, as I discover more about God, as I allow God to actually refine me, I find that some of those expectations, they need a little fine-tuning. Yeah, God, I know this is where I started, but I get now and I understand that's not exactly, it's not exactly what I want anymore. And so I think that there's cases that, hey, God, will, God delivers even more than what you can expect. There's other times that the things that I expect, they need some refinement. They need some changing. They need my heart to change, my perspective to change. And then there's other, perspe- there's other expectations in my life that it's like, there's some things that we want. There's some things that we pray for. There's an end point of, hey, it, it's, it's at this time that it really needs to come. And I've had expectations that I've, Man, I pray and I ask God to deliver on a date. And that date passes and I don't, I don't see that. And then I'm left with, well, God, what do I do with that? Was I off? Did I do something off? Is there something wrong that I didn't expect with this? And I think it's good for us that whenever we have an expectation of God and that expectation is not met, it's a good opportunity for some self-reflection. Lord, were my values off? Was there something that I, did I see it wrong? And here's the wonderful thing, and I want, this is what I want to tell you with this. If you leave here, this is the, and you don't hear anything else that I say, the only thing that I want you to know is that if you feel like God has not met those expectations in your life that you've had of him, ask him how you need to change. And if you do that honestly, I promise you, God will reveal to you in your life what you need to change. But here's the follow-up. It's not always going to be what you want to hear. 
And it's not always going to be the excuse that you gave it. I tell you what, if you want God to speak in your life, you want God, you want to hear from God faster than any other way, any, you want God to answer a prayer, ask him how you need to change your life today. Honest, and do it honestly. Because I promise you, you will, he will be in touch with you very shortly to let you know. But if you're anything like me, that first, you know, that first thing that he, he initially pokes on, you're going to be like, well, yeah, not, not that. I mean, something else, Lord. Like, what really, what do you need me to change in my life, you know? Not that, you know, we've already discussed that. But no, but if you want to hear from God, ask him how you need to change your heart and your life, and I promise you that he's going to speak to you. And this whole concept of expectations is what I want to talk about today. I want to look at how we, how we form some of our expectations about God, how we how we maybe sometimes misplace our expectations into what God really wants in our lives, and then what can we do to kind of reshape it to make sure, hey, what I'm expecting of God is right for my life, and it's big enough. Now, I'll tell you, way back whenever my parents first got into the whole church scene, this, I was probably in about fifth grade. And at first, whenever they started going to church, I mean, like, we had gone to church on, you know, like, the, the, the Sunday here and there, you know. And I liked church. I did, you know, you know all throughout, throughout elementary school. But, man, whenever fifth grade hit, they got on fire for God. And I remember, I distinctly remember, it would be like, I'd wake up in the morning. They're up before me, and they're downstairs reading their Bible. And, like, I come home, you know, in the evening, you know, we eat dinner, and then, they go to read the Bible, and I'm watching TV, you know, and I remember at one point, I, I came in the house from outside playing or whatever, and I come in, and they're sitting there reading the Bible, and I go, Bible, 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 what's, what is this? All you guys do is read the Bible. I mean, but to me, I was, I didn't recognize the life change that was happening, you know, they were taking me on for the ride, you know, and I was good with it, but it, it was, it was like, whoa, guys, like, we are, we are making some big shifts in this house, you know, we're, all we're doing is reading the Bible now. But I will say this, in sixth grade, I, I kind of, I, I, I was around, I played around the banks too much, I fell in. And all of a sudden, I started to make it so that every service, I wanted to go to church. In fact, it got to the point where I was so excited, I would go to church and I would expect, starting in sixth grade, I'd expect God to speak to me. I expected him to speak something to me in each service that I went to. And guess what? God started to deliver. Was it the first time? I don't remember. I was in sixth grade. But what I can tell you is that as it moved along in my life, I remember being in sixth grade, and I remember telling my parents at one point, it was almost kind of like, oh, how, how, how the, the coin has flipped here. I remember telling my parents, because the church we went to had a Sunday morning service and a Sunday evening service. And I remember telling them after the Sunday morning service, like, do you think they would ever just do service like, all Sunday, all the way to the evening, all the way through, and we could just sit here the whole time and just hear messages. And it was like, this is coming from the kid who a year ago was like, Bible, Bible, Bible. What's with the Bible, you know? But here's the thing. My expectation changed. And whenever my expectation changed of what God could do for me, all of a sudden, I wasn't on the outside looking in. I was in the middle of it. And God was starting to speak to me. And I'll never forget, the, the services that we would go to, a lot of times the gifts of the Spirit would move. And particularly with words of wisdom and words of knowledge. In some of those services, the pastors would actually call one person out 
and they would give a word to that one person. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I want that. Like, here I am, like, seventh grade Ben Ogle. Like, I am ready. Like, the past, like, sitting somewhere. It's almost like, and I'm not kidding you, okay? I'm not kidding you on this. It would almost be like, whenever I'd sit down, I'd be like, okay, does the pastor have line of sight on me? Like, all right, if he sees me, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But my expectation was is that I wanted that. And I would see in those services, sometimes the pastor would call one particular person out. Other times the minister, they would give an introduction to it. You know, hey, this is what the Lord wants to say right now. And whenever I heard that, it would be like I would tune in with everything I had because that was exactly what I was expecting. I wanted that personalized word, something that God would speak to me. And guys, that's how the gifts of the Spirit works. God wants to speak through each one of us to communicate those words to the body of Christ. Why? Because those words are precious. Those words matter. They make a difference. And if you have the expectation of it, God delivers. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that we should desire the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't say just don't think about them and hope that they maybe happen. No, it says desire the gifts. If I'm desiring them, I'm expecting them to show up. And so here it goes. Here's Here's Ben Ogle here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to these services, you know, and I would hear that, I mean, before long, all of a sudden, I would notice that whenever I was in those services, I felt like, it felt like, man, that guy just, that guy, the person that just gave that message, it's like they read my mail. That was exactly what I went through that week in, in class. You know, I felt that way that week. But what it was, was me making a demand on God and saying, Lord, my faith is in the expectation that you're going to speak to me personally. You know, I know like last week, Pastor Mamie was talking about how often we went to church back during this time. And it was, it was Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, and the prayer meetings, whenever we could make it. And you might say, oh my gosh, how do you got time for that? Whenever your expectation is that if I go there, I'm going to hear a word of God specifically for me for what I need right now, all of a sudden you make time. Why? Because I want that word spoken into my life. And so I found that whenever I got on that same train with them, all of a sudden God was speaking to me specifically about things. And I'll never, I'll never forget this. So Time goes on, you know, and I go through high school. Man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sold into this idea of Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. I don't care what other people think about me. I want to live for Jesus. And I did. I, get, I made the decision after high school, I'm going to go to Bible college. So I go to the same Bible college that my parents go to. And I'll never forget this one service. This, the, the minister, Kenneth Hagin, he's sharing. And Kenneth Hagin was a guy that, man, this, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, flowed through him a lot. A lot. He spoke it a lot. And so in the service, he was given, he was just telling a story. He was talking about a word, it was a year ago. He said, you know, we're, he was just sharing about how the Holy Spirit speaks and how sometimes that something in a message, the minister will give it, and it is for specific people, whether they're there or not, God's delivering that word. And he said, I, I remember, a, he was given the, the story, he said, I remember a year ago, During the message, he goes, I just felt in my heart like the Lord wanted me to say, just the simple phrase, the divorce will not go through. And so he said, you know, in the message, he he just, he said, you know, 
took a moment. He goes, I just want to share this. I feel like this is the word, this is a word from God right now, but I just want to say that divorce will not go through. And so he was sharing that over the next week and month, how many people contacted the ministry and said, hey, that word that you gave about the divorce not going through, and the, the story of this illustration was so great. It was actually a minister. He said, my wife and I had been going through some hard times, and we decided that we were going to split. And he says, now, he goes, in a divorce, there's a period of time that, you know, the, the, the process has started, but it doesn't, there's a period of time before it becomes final. And he says that, you know, it was about one week into that, you know, I was at that service, and, I, and she was not. But I heard that word, the divorce will not go through. And he said, I just, it felt like it was, it felt like it was for me. It felt like that was it. And he goes, and, and, and bear in mind, he goes, the, the situation of between the two of us, it was a mess. And so he said, it went all the way to the last day before legally everything goes through and it's, it's finalized. And he said, my wife calls me up and just says, this is not right. Let's, I, I don't want this. I want to be together. I want to work this out. And he says, I burst into tears. And he's like, that's where I am too. And he said, the two of us just cried on the phone. And, you know, that evening we got back together and we, we started working it out. But he's like, I just wanted to, he was, this was him telling them, Kenneth Hagin, that word was for me. That word was for me. And he said, he said it ended up being about a dozen different people called in just to give the testimony of that specific word reversed everything for them in, in their marriage of where they were going through. And I wonder how much of that was the expectation. Someone putting out there in faith, I want God to speak to me. Now here's the follow-up to that that was interesting. That same message, I was there for that, he's sharing this. That same message, in the middle of it, he's, and I'll never forget this, he's just talking. He's sharing a point. And then he just goes, and then I heard these words in my spirit. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's an interesting segue. And then he just, he just says, it simply, he goes, you know you shouldn't have taken that path or made that decision, but now you see the outcome of that decision. I'm going to restore and fix that path for you, and you'll know that there's no situation that I cannot fix or restore, says the Lord. Now, for me personally, at that moment, I was in that exact, that exact position. I had made a decision. I had, had, I, it was actually with another person. I had offended someone pretty, pretty badly. Not intentionally, but I did. And how many of you know, whenever you offend someone, whether you mean to or not, even if it's just because of your own ignorance, the offense is there, right? Yep, it's there. And as soon as I heard that, it's like, oh man, that's, I, I, I think that's me. You know, you might say, well, well, that's so broad and it'll apply to anything. Well, if you aren't expecting it, then no, maybe, maybe you would feel that way. But if you are expecting God to speak to you, then yes, that was for me. And I'll tell you, within two weeks, within two weeks' time, that word absolutely played itself out in my life. Total restoration of that. And it was almost, it was almost strange, it was almost effortless how it all came, came about to be. But my expectation was there for it because I would go into these services knowing, man, I want, the, I want to see the gifts of the Spirit move. And so I think I asked the question here, what does expectation from God look like in our lives? 
And maybe we can take a look, maybe just to give some examples of what, let's just put ourselves in the shoes of some other people in the Bible and maybe ask ourselves, what did their expectations look like? Let's start off with a guy of Joseph. If you don't know the story of Joseph, Joseph had a ton of brothers. And Joseph's dad, he played favorites. In fact, to the point that they gave Joseph a cool-looking multicolored cloak that nobody, none of his other brothers got. His other brothers got pretty upset about it, right? Now, like, I understand that you've had arguments with your siblings, you know? I, I've, I have a sister. I, I've had my share of arguments. But I've never gotten to the point that I'm like, hey, I'm going to fake my sister's death, throw her in a pit, and then sell her off for slavery. I, I mean, I just, I maybe... I don't know, maybe our household was a little calmer than, you know, what was going on with Joseph, but I never got to that point. You know, and probably what didn't help either, you know, at the same time, Joseph is telling his brothers about these dreams. You know, essentially telling his brothers, you know, I had these dreams where, where I was one, one stock of wheat and all, these, uh, all, all the other stocks of wheat were bowing down to me. You know, it's like great thing to tell your brothers who are already struggling with like, you know, being first place with your dad. Like not the greatest thing to share with them. But anyway, so here's what happens. Joseph... His brothers do just that. They fake his death. They throw him in a pit and they sell him to slavery in Egypt. What is Joseph's expectation of the rest of his life at that point? I don't know. Could take some some guesses. But he goes into slavery and then he gets promoted into the house that he's working within. And then in that house he gets falsely accused and then thrown in the jail. So where, where is his expectations now again? It's like, man, I, I okay, got out of the pit, got, I was working in this guy's house, things were going good, now I'm back in jail again. And then whenever he was in jail, he has an opportunity to get out. In fact, he gives, he gives a word to a guy that, was in, that had a p- position with the king. And I'm paraphrasing a whole lot of stuff out of Genesis with this, so keep along with me. But the guy gets out and goes before Pharaoh. And Joseph's like, hey... Let him know about me, you know, like, I, 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 I'm helping you out here. And it says that the guy just, oh, he forgets about him. You know, I, you know, hey, I just, I just got my life saved out of jail. I forgot about the guy that was uh, kind of coordinated to help all this go through. Where are Joseph's expectations at this point? I mean, I'm going to be honest. If it were me, I'm sure the question of God, where are you, is coming up. Bear in mind, here's something with Joseph. Joseph didn't have a Bible to go and recite and think about a verse, didn't have it. He didn't have the latest Elevation playlist that he was listening to before this, you know, to recite the song that he loved, his favorite worship song, in jail. He didn't have it. Joseph eventually gets to the point, though, there must have been an expectation that God will get me out of this. Because you see what happens in his life, that he eventually gets promoted, (laughs) he gets promoted to the highest position possible in Egypt, Below the Pharaoh. But I wonder what the, ex- the road of expectations were like with that. Because if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, unless Joseph is like some kind of a super being, I mean, man, that's one big roller coaster up and down of trying to get my, your expectations ironed out. You could put another guy like Moses. What were the expectations of Moses? Moses gets literally called the friend of God. I mean, if, if, you, if you go back and read the Old Testament, the perspective of who Moses was and the relationship that he had with God 
it was literally like un, not like anything that we even can comprehend and understand. He's the friend, God gives him his Ten Commandments, the laws that were to govern the rest of the existence of humanity. He gives them to Moses. He meets with him. He's talked with him. And then what happens whenever Moses goes to lead people, the children of Israel? If you follow the story, people didn't always like Moses. I mean, they got mad at him. And they would accuse him. In fact, it got to the one point, and you wonder what the expectation of Moses was, because God called him, it says that he was the humblest man on earth. So here's the one point, there's a, there's a rebellion going on, people are mad at Moses, and they're basically saying, who says you should be the leader? Why, why do we need to listen to you? Moses makes a really interesting statement. He says, okay, you know what, gather up your folks, Gather up my folks. We'll meet before the temple, the, the tabernacle. We'll meet before the, the presence of the Lord tomorrow and we'll find out what he says. Now, I'm going to be honest. I think Moses had a different expectation of that outcome than the people that were trying to rebel did. But I'm sure that Moses probably struggled with the thing of, God, you've given me all these laws. I have these conversations with you. I am literally, I'm anointed by you. And yet, every time I go to try to lead people, they all hate me. Where does, the, where does that, to me that doesn't line up. But somewhere along the way, I'm sure Moses had a wave of expectations. Lord, where is it at? Where is it at? Where do I, when do I need to expect you to show up? There's another example of, uh, in the book of Kings about, uh, they just call her a Shunammite woman. Elisha the prophet visits this Shunammite woman and her husband. They don't have a kid. Elisha gives him a word specifically saying, next year at this time, you will have a child. And guess what happens? Next year at that time, they have a kid. Now time goes on, and then all of a sudden this boy, the Bible doesn't give a great deal of details on it, something happens with the kid, something with his head, and the boy dies. But here's the expectation. The Shunammite woman sends, says, go get the prophet. Elisha and tell him to come. Tell him to come here. And it was almost done with this like calmness. It wasn't a panic because there was even a, if you read the scripture, a little bit of an argument of the day, exact day of the week of when they were going. Said, no, 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 it's okay. Just go, just go get him and ask him to come here. Elisha comes, shows up, raises the boy from the dead, resurrects him through the power of God. And it's interesting, her expectation was almost kind of in the face of death. I know what to expect. God already answered my prayer once. He'll bring, he'll, he promised this child. He'll bring him back. And God does. Biblical expectations, guys, is what, what, the point of what I want to give with those examples is we are not alone in feeling like in our life that we're on a roller coaster of expecting God big and then something doesn't happen. Well, how, how do I recover from that? What do I do with it? I give you those examples because I'm letting you know God never left these people. He never abandoned them. Even in whenever it seemed the worst, whenever it seemed like there was no answer to it, God never left them. And my encouragement is, what does our expectation from God look like 
It should be one that never ends. No matter what my situation is, no matter the situation that I'm in, no matter how I feel, no matter what things look like, I should know that God is able to take care of it. But what I want to challenge us with it too is that we should set our expectations high. In Romans 12.2, it's it'll be uh, on the screen here. Romans 12.2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you would prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And I want to let you know today, you could have acceptable expectations of God, you can have good expectations of God, or you can have perfect expectations of God. God wants to deliver on them, and he wants to guide you on how to change some of your expectations. Because sometimes I think we short-sell ourselves in thinking that God can only move, and hey, God's only, this is the only way that I can really get this. This is the only way that God can do this. I, I don't know any other way. And I mean, we think in terms of, oh man, we got A, B, C. These are the only three ways that this is going to come through. God's working with like the rest of the alphabet and multiple choices of ways to move in your life and get you what you need. And it's to so many different degrees. Even one of the parables God says about the sower sowing the word. It says that some of it returned 30 times what was planted. Other times 60. And others 100. So if I am letting the word of God change my life. And I'm letting the word of God be part of my life. And let's not forget. Who is the word of God? Who is the living word? Jesus Christ. If he is in me, I can expect that there's an acceptable, good, and perfect way that God can interact with my life. And I can, accept, I can expect that it's not just going to be oh, a return of one-to-one. No, God, according to that scripture, is in multiplication business. He wants to give you more than what you can expect to get. So what I want to think about with this is, one way that we need to look at changing our expectations is the knowledge we have. Because knowledge will change expectations. I'll give you an example of what I mean by this. So whenever we moved to Oklahoma, and I was in sixth grade, I am not used to tornadoes. Tornadoes are a thing in Oklahoma, right? And man, a constant thing. So, you know, we go to school and, you know, they teach you how to do the tornado safety. You know, like the safest. And think about Oklahoma too. In in the South, this is it. Like tons of tornadoes. It's like, let's not build anybody a basement. Let's just make sure everybody, you know, when the tornado comes, we're all in the same playing field. You know, just nice and nice and level set. Whatever. You know, meanwhile, you come up north and it's like everybody has a basement. I mean, like Pittsburgh, we're so famous for it. We just put toilets in it, you know, just right in the middle of it. You know, like... Just in case the tornado comes, you've got everything you need. No, but they would teach us in school that, hey, if the tornado is coming, you know, the sirens are going off, that one of the safest places you could go is in actually your bath, if you have a bathtub, in the bathtub or your shower, and actually to bring, if you can, a mattress and put it on top of you. So here's, here's what happens. I am in sixth grade. I am not used to what a tornado is like or anything of the sort. So parents are not home. Okay, I'm home with my sister. My sister is my sister's much younger than I am. So the tornado sirens go off. And like I'm looking outside and like dude, the sky is like purple, right? Like not not a not a normal sky color, right? The clouds are all kinds of weird stuff, you know. Sirens are going off, you know, the power goes out, and so I'm like Hannah, oh my gosh, like 
we're, we got to get to the bathroom. we got to get the, the mattress on top of us. So literally, we take the covers off of her bed, because she has a single bed, and we go into, the mat, go into the bathroom, we get into the tub, and we pull the mattress on top of us, and we're just sitting in there, sirens going off, right, waiting for, I don't know what we were waiting for, you know, to happen, but nothing does. But my expectation, because I had no knowledge of what a tornado, what, what to do with that, I was like, I was panicked. And then the two years that I was there, you know, there'd be other tornado sirens. And you started to kind of figure out like, okay, okay, like the siren goes off, but like you got to watch for the warning. The warning means that it's actually like on the ground. And then like the real time to panic is like whenever the power goes out. The power goes out and everything else is gone. And like the wind is like going insane. Okay, now, now, now's the time. Like this is it, this is it. We never had a tornado whenever I was there. So fast forward, I go back to, I go back to Oklahoma for Bible college, and I am I'm, my roommate. We're in a we're in a, a, a little little apartment. He and he's from Pennsylvania. Okay, now I've already been through this. I got some knowledge on what's going on here, what to expect. So big storm comes, right? Tornado sirens are going off, you know, and like he's starting to panic. He's like looking out the window. He's like, oh, oh you know, we got to, Ben, what do we do? What do we do? And I'm, I'm literally there sitting watching TV. I'm like, nah, we don't have to worry about anything until the power goes off. We're still good. <laughs> like that. And it was like two different words. Like, well, are you sure? Like, you, you told me about the mattress and the bed. So like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're good, man. Like, just, just wait. We're, like, if the power doesn't go out, we're still good. We're good. Like, the wind, the wind is nowhere near, nowhere near what, what we would have to worry about. But it was funny, his expectation was like, oh my gosh, the sirens are going off, like, we, we, best, we best get ready for this. But me, with a little bit more knowledge, it changed my expectation. I was like, eh, no, 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 we, we, we aren't in panic mode yet. But I think some of this, the example of what I give with this, some of this happens with God. Because if my knowledge of what God can do and how God has come through for other people in the Bible, if I don't have that knowledge, my expectations of God is going to be limited. Because I'm not going to know how God came through for other people. I'm not going to see how God worked through other people's lives in the Bible. And so sometimes, because of a lack of knowledge, we set our expectations for God so low we almost don't expect him to do anything for us. And sometimes it's the scope of whenever we read, sometimes we don't necessarily see it deep enough of what God wants to really speak to us. I'll give you an example. Everyone go to Romans 8. I don't think I have this, pretty sure I don't have this in the outline. giving you guys all kinds of examples from my life. (laughs) Talking about that the word of God will bring you knowledge and it changes your expectations. There was a period of time in my life that I was going through condemnation. And without getting into a whole lot of details, it was probably some of the, it was probably the worst, one of the worst things that I've experienced because the idea that I had let sink into my head is that God was no longer able to forgive me. And that no matter what I did in my life, I was condemned to hell. 
There was no way that I could change it. Nothing I could do about it. I mean, like, and man, those were some dark days in my life. I mean, it's like, I, I, I wish I was just depressed because then I know that, hey, whenever all this ends, I can at least go to heaven. There was the expectation that, hey, whenever all this ends, it doesn't matter what happens in my life. I have an eternity of torment that I'm waiting for. Man, it hit me hard. And I really struggled with it. And I really, really, do, it, was, it was a lot, there was a lot of prayer, but I mean, you have the struggle of praying of, was God even going to listen to me if, I'm, if I've gone too far? Now, the short of the long was, I, I was believing wrong. And that wasn't the case at all in my life. But how many of you know, whenever it comes to mental, mental anguish, mental grief, depression, sometimes it doesn't matter what reality is. The feelings are so much stronger than anything else that that becomes the reality. Anybody else, or is that just me? So I remember I'm reading. I'm reading the Bible, and I come across this scripture in Romans. It was Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And I love that God speaks to me like this a lot. Sometimes it's, you could read a scripture and you could take it at face value, and that's powerful because the word of God at face value has incredible power to it. But sometimes there's deeper things. Whenever you start to connect the dots, God can speak to you even further. So I'm in this state where I'm dealing with this condemnation nonstop in my mind. And I read this scripture, Romans 8, 14, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And all of a sudden I thought in that moment, wait a minute. This last summer, and I'm going to bring you back to an example I gave before. This last summer, I was, at a, I was at a prayer meeting. And the pastor of the church, whenever we went to Victory Family Church back then, the pastor of the church gave me a specific word about my life. Real specific word about my life while I was still going through this. And I was actually living that word out at that moment. The word, the word was, hey, you know, Ben, in the future, you're going to come across a, a really well-known minister and he's going to take you under his wing and kind of just disciple you. And within four months, that was happening. And that was what was going on at that moment. And so whenever I read that scripture, I thought, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. It says that all who were being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then I thought, wait a minute. Just a few months ago, God led me with that word because I was expecting it. Remember how he said I'd go to every service expecting to get something. And if God gave me that word back then, well, then I'm a son of God. Well, then I don't need to believe the way I'm believing. I am, I, I am, I, all this condemnation is just a lie. And it clicked. And that moment of revelation, I'm telling you, changed the entire trajectory of the way I was living my life. All because my knowledge changed from what I read in the Bible. Sometimes, guys, we need to change our expectations of God. And the word of God is the only way that it's going to do it. Whenever it says that the word of God is living and active, I'm telling you, every time you approach that word, that's why we encourage you, please get involved with the reading plan that we got coming up. Because whenever you read and take that word in, you are allowing the Holy Spirit the living Christ to speak specifically into your heart in a way that you will never get from a, from a 
from a counselor, in a way you will never get from a self-help YouTube video, in a way you will never get from anything else that wants to satisfy and give you that cathartic feeling of everything is okay. The Word of God will be the source for it. It will change the way you think because of what you know, but you have to be the one that approaches it. In Revelation 12, 11, we just read this, and I love the scripture. It's talking, about, it's talking about the people, the believers. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved their lives. They loved not their lives unto the death. There's a knowledge that the word of God can give you to change your expectations. But I'm going to tell you, there's also power in the testimony that you hear from other people to change your expectations. There's something about hearing what God did in somebody else's life that spurns you to think, hey, if he did it for them, he can do something like that for me too. Because I love the scripture that it says that God's not a respecter of persons. Why? He levels the playing field. If you approach him with faith and you expect him to show up in your life, God will show up in your life. Will it be the exact way that it did for somebody else? No, probably not. But will he show up exactly how you need him to? Yes, unequivocally, he will. I want to really push with this. The men's group, the women's group that we have, those are really valuable times for these testimonies that we can share with one another what God is doing in our life, things that we've, we've experienced. Things that we hear that, all of a sudden it changes the way that I think because I heard about how it happened in somebody else's life. I mean, I love the men's group. I really do. I love hearing how other people interact with God. I love about hearing about how people are receiving from God. It changes the way that I think. I mean, I'll, ne- I'll, I'll never forget, there's a guy, Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> great name, right? I mean, what a great name. Mr. Wigglesworth, I feel like you should have a monocle on at all times. But anyways, but God really moved in this guy's life in just some insanely powerful ways. So I'm reading this book, and he's sharing testimonies. He talked about a meeting that he was in, and a guy was, a guy was in there, and the guy, had, the guy had one leg cut off at the knee. And Smith Wigglesworth was talking about how he felt a word from God to tell that guy, Tomorrow, go buy a pair of shoes. So the guy goes the next day and buys a pair of shoes. And as he is standing in line to purchase the shoes, his leg literally grows out. What? 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 First of all, my first thought is like, what does that feel like? Right? I mean, like, what is, what is that sensation that that would be? But it changed for me the expectation of, man, God can answer my prayers just like that too. God can do that in my life. Now, here's the cool part. I'll share this with you. It was 2003. I had a friend, Corey Vogan. Corey Vogan was born with his one leg was four inches shorter than the other one. Always walked with a limp. And they, you know, they give you those prosthetic shoes you're supposed to wear, you know, and he hated them. He'd never wear them. So he would, but you could always tell, and it would be, I mean, if he stood up foot by foot, man, I mean, there was, there was a significant gap. 
So here we are, we're at a kid's, a kid's summer camp where he and I are counselors, right? And uh, we're, I'm, 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 I'm kind of running the camp, he's, you know, helping me out. And uh, we do go through this little prayer time, you know, and Corey goes up for prayer. Corey gets his hands laid on him for prayer. Corey falls back under the power of God. And, and you know, the service is kind of going on and Corey's still laying there, you know. And he's laying there with his hands on his head. Some of you have heard this story, but it's, it's such a good story to repeat. He's laying there with his hands on his head like this. And, and I'm, I'm kind of like looking at the time. I'm like, okay, kids are going to be getting back to their, their cabins. Like, Corey, man, like, I need you here, dude. Like, okay, like, you know, so, so I'm trying to still be respectful. You know, God's ministering to him. So I go over to him, and I'm like, hey, Corey, uh, hey, you, you all right, man? And he's like that, and he just goes, God's growing my leg right now. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm like, understandable. You stay right there. I got everything. We're good, you know? <laughs> but no joke. I, I will never, I will never, this, is, this image is burned into my head so clearly. Because I remember, I remember after that, walking back to that building where we had that, and Corey was coming out of it. And I remember that guy's face, his smile, like ear to ear. And the first thing I noticed as he was walking at me is there was no limp in his gait. And he comes up and he goes, God just grew my leg and healed it. And, and like, what do, you, what do you say to that? You know, like, it's almost like, what do you say? You know, it's like, hey, do you see what I said? Show me. <laughs> because I knew him. I, you know, and so he, sure enough, then he, he picks up, you know, his thing. And he puts right there and is, there's no shift in his hips. Totally level. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb who supplies the power, but by the word of our testimony. Why? Because whenever I share my testimony, whenever I share somebody else's testimony, it changes our faith. It changes our expectations of what God can do in our life. And that is why it's so powerful for us together to share what God does in our lives because it encourages one another. It changes the way we think of our expectations of what God can do in our lives. You know, sometimes it's our attitude that affects our expectations. And this this point is so, so true. Your limits will impact God's limits. Everyone turn to uh, Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 54. My limits will impact God's limits. My expectations and what I think, my attitude towards God will impact what God can do for me. He's talking about the ministry of Jesus here. So Jesus is going about ministering, and it says that he eventually comes back to his hometown. We pick up in verse 54. It says he went to his hometown and taught the people in the synagogue, and they were amazed. Not how we maybe think. They said, where did this man get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? He's just the son of a carpenter. His mother is Mary. His brothers are James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And all of his sisters are here with us. Where then does this man get all these things? It's almost kind of like the idea of like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I remember Jesus. 
mean, he was the guy that broke all my pots with his brothers, you know, that one night in the summer. I, no, I know this guy. I know who he is. I know, I, I, I've been around him. I know his family. I know what, they, I know what their family's like. I, 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 got it. I got the lay of this. And they were almost offended that he's coming in with all this power, which is amazing them, but they were almost rebuffed by it because of their expectation. And in 57, it says, so the people were upset with Jesus. Now, for us, from a third party, we could easily look at that and say, like, well, those guys are morons. Why would you be upset with the Son of God? I mean, he's doing miracles in front of you, right? How many of us have copped an attitude with God before? Dude, I'm going to be honest. Dudes and dudettes, I'm going to be honest with you. My people. I, I, I was fighting copping an attitude with God putting this message together. In fact, I shared it with my wife about it. My week was in, my week, and I'm, I'm not looking for sympathy, but I'm telling you, here's, just to make it real, my week was insanely busy. I, I usually worked over probably 50, like 55 hours this week. I had youth group, and then my parents call me and say, hey, Ben, we're both sick, can you do the message? Sure, I can do that. We'll, get, we'll, we'll line it up, we'll get it in there. My work week was insane. And then whenever I go to work on this on Saturday, my computer dies. Part of me wants to say, God, you, and I'm just being, I am being honest. Can I be real, guys? Can I be real? Is it all right? I'm going to be real. Because here I am doing a message on expectations, right? It's like, the irony's so thick, I'm cutting with a knife as I'm sitting here trying to get through this. And, And it's, my, my, my thing is, well, God, you understand this. You could have changed my computer. You could have changed any of this, made any of this in a different situation. You know the situation I'm in, so you better show up. I, look, I'm being real. I'm being real with you. That's, what my, that's the attitude that I wanted to have with it. Here's a guy that just told you a story about watching a dude's leg grow back. Here's a guy that just told you a bunch of ways about how God spoke to him so individually in so many services, and then I come across with that attitude, that's the attitude that I fight with God? Well, you know, I guess it's another day that I can check the box of, yes, I'm human. I mean, we all deal with this stuff, right? But it's easy to read this scripture and think of it in terms of, well, why would they think like that until all of a sudden... The tables are turned and you're living it out yourself. And then all of a sudden it's a different story of, well, God, hold on. What gives with this? And I remember I actually told Amanda, I said, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you with what I'm, the attitude because I'm fighting right now and I don't want to fight it. I don't want to be in this case because I know God will show up. And I want to be grateful. I don't want to do it with an attitude expecting him to show up. I want him to be here. I want him to minister because I want I want, I want everyone here to be ministered to. I want the people watching to know that God hasn't... You can put expectations on him and that he will come through. I don't want to be like this. I took a moment and I prayed about it. And you know what? God helped me with it. He really did. He set me in the right place. The right mindset. But I think that's what these people are dealing with. And it's so easy for us to be flippant sometimes with what we read in the Bible, but whenever we really look at it from our own standpoint, all of a sudden things change. So here's what happens. Jesus says to them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown 
hometown and in his own home. So he did not do many miracles there because they had no faith. The living Son of God embodied in flesh was not able to do miracles because they had no faith. They put their expectations so low on Jesus Christ that it limited his ability to do anything. Now here's what I want to tell you. Did it say he did nothing? No. He didn't do what? Many miracles. Another translation says, many works. He laid his hands on some sick people and healed them. Our God's so good because he knows that we are, we are these, we're these, we're these meat bags with all these ideas and attitudes. And sorry, this is the youth, youth part of it coming out here. But we're, we're, we live in a world where we have to constantly refine ourselves and we struggle with stuff, right? We are imperfect beings. God realizes that. He knows that we're not going to get it perfect. So even if our expectations are set real, 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 real low, he's still able to move. And sometimes what we need to do is we need that kickstart. Whenever we think nothing has gone our way, we need to look for some silver linings and realize that, hey, God's still with me. God didn't leave me. And I tell you what, if you start with the eternal perspective that, you know what, at the end of the day, Jesus Christ still loves me. Jesus Christ is still with me. He's still on my side. And if you can keep an eternal perspective with it, God still has room to work. So that's my challenge. With our expectations, where where are your expectations at? Do they need to grow? Maybe we need to know where we need to start targeting and expecting God to work first. This is where I want to come to the last point and close this out. I said back in the beginning that God wants us, if, if you want to hear from God real quick, you just ask him where you need to change your life and he'll, he'll let you know. A lot of times our expectations from God is we expect God to do something all the way over there, but God's trying to get our attention to look right here first. And we're so focused on what we think we need, we miss what God's really trying to deal with us on. You know, some of us, we might be in a situation where we have this long list and we're expecting God to come through and God's saying, hey, 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 let's, let's, deal with, let's deal with the unforgiveness that you have in your life first. God, we'll get to that. I just need this first. Here's the thing with God. God works very progressively in our lives. And God is insanely merciful. God wants you to deal with things that he speaks to you on first before you can get to the next step. And I'm convinced that so many Christians are stuck that they expect they have these huge expectations of God, but they won't start on the little things that God wants them to. God had, there's many parables Jesus gave that if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the big things, but you have to start with the little things. Song of Solomon talks about Catch the foxes, for it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And isn't that true in our life, that it's the little things that start off so small that can direct us into so many different directions that we never expected to go? I love the example that whenever you take off in a plane, if you are two degrees off, 
and you're flying a thousand miles, your end point of your destination where you get will be so far from where you targeted just by being two degrees off. And that's why God wants to speak to us very clearly to help us understand where in our hearts we need to change. And I'm relying on the Holy Spirit right now that he's probably speaking to us right now about some things that maybe, yeah, that's where we need to start. God's value system and our value system and what we think need changed in our expectations, they don't always line up. You see this time and time again throughout the Bible. One example is whenever Samuel goes to anoint the next king of Israel. Goes to Jesse, and he says, it's going to be out of his house. This Jesse, bring all your kids together, all your boys. Get all your boys together, Jesse. So Samuel goes in, and he's looking at Jesse's sons, and Samuel actually sees the one, and he says, oh man, this, this guy's got to be it. Look, I mean, look at the guy. He's, he's tall, he's he got the appearance, he's got the look, everything looks good. And God said, no, 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 no. He's not the one I chose. Because the Lord doesn't look at things the way man does. The Lord doesn't look at the appearance, but he looks into the heart. And here's the thing, Jesse was even at that too. Jesse didn't even bother bringing David to the, the, the choosing ceremony. They had to go get David. Sometimes the things that we value most in our lives are the things that God wants us to change. What we think is important is not always what he thinks is important. But if we refine our expectations of what God wants through this, I'm going to tell you what, whenever we come up to read the New Testament here in the next year, The New Testament is rife with life change. Talking about setting aside the desires of the flesh and all of, I mean, there's so many adjectives that go into the desires of the flesh the New Testament has. And it encourages us to walk with the Lord, how to live our life right. Why? Because if we can finally tune what we're doing with our life, God is able to change our expectations. Why? Because I'm in constant communication with him. Whenever I mess up, it's not five, six, seven days, two weeks, three weeks before I ask for forgiveness. It's whenever I mess up, it's, man, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to be like that. I'm sorry. I want to change. And the more constant communication that we keep in with, the closer we stay to him. The closer we stay to him, the more we know who he is. And if we know who our heavenly father is, we can set the right expectations in our lives lives. Here's the last thing that I want to encourage you with. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know where, what you're dealing with. You will grow in your life and sometimes God gets to a point where it's, hey, you've done, you've done well, but let's open up some boxes that you don't particularly want to look up, look into Do with some things in your life that are all about you and the way you think. And I'm letting you know that our our instinctive reaction is to run away from it. Come up with whatever excuse it is to pass it off and not really examine our own hearts, our own selves of, hey, why did I make these decisions to even get to this point? Lord, why does it feel like you're coming up to the same thing over and over and over and over again? And I'm letting you know today, God wants to speak to you about those things but you got to be willing to do the work to get past it. One of the easiest things to do in Christianity today is to run away. We've made it so easy. I don't like what that church said to me. I'm going to go to this church instead. 
really, it's not the church that said it to you. You don't like how the Holy Spirit was speaking to you there. And so you're saying, I don't like that. I'm going to go somewhere else. And I'm telling you, it's happened plenty in our church. But our, it's not like we're, we're unique. It happens in churches all over. I didn't like that. I got offended there. I just go to, I, I do everything online. Well, why? Well, because now I can pick and choose what I listen to. So I don't have to listen to the things that really force me to want to look at my life to change my life. You want to talk about God's value system? There is more power in us changing our hearts and turning away from a sin in our life. That same power of us, to, whenever we make that decision to change our hearts and turn away from sin or give in finally. Man, God's been dealing with me for years about giving and I'm going to finally do it. Whenever you make that decision, there is just as much power in that decision as those testimonies that I gave a guy growing back his leg. It is. Whenever Jesus said that the miracles that I do and greater than these, you'll do also, I'm convinced that miracle is changing people's hearts. I mean, God could resurrect every person that has ever died. And it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be, he wouldn't even expend a fraction of his power. That is how powerful he is. But he can't force you to change your heart. That's a decision you make on your own. There's so much power in that. So I want to encourage us here today. We're going to give an opportunity to receive Christ, and that is the greatest thing that can happen in your life. But I want to also encourage you to change your expectations. So real quick, head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Online, please listen up on this. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you've never given your heart to him, You've never had the opportunity to be born again, to know without a shadow of a doubt, my sins are forgiven and my eternity when I leave this earth will be in heaven. If that's you and you want to make that decision today, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to do it without any fear. I want you to expect that your heavenly father is going to receive you in. All right, church body, we... Everyone here looks like we're good, but let's do the prayer for the folks online if you're watching this. The way to pray and ask God to end your life is simple. Let's say this together. Say, Lord, I want Jesus to be in charge of my life. Save me. Forgive me. Make me new. Thank you, Jesus. 